0: Isaiah chapter 58 is a, uh, a passage of Scripture that has to do with fasting. And unless you're joining us for the first time this week, you're probably aware that we concluded a 21-day fast uh, and a special time and season of prayer over the last three weeks. And I've heard some really amazing stories of what God has done in people's lives in the past several weeks. People who have never fasted before uh, they either they are new to their faith completely or they come from religious traditions that didn't put a lot of emphasis on the spiritual tradition of fasting. There are a lot of people here in our church now that this fast was the first time they had ever fasted any type of food or gone without or sacrificed anything for any lengthy period of time. One of those ladies, I heard a testimony the other day, had never fasted in her life. She's been unemployed for eight months and On the third day of her fast, she got off for two jobs at the same time. She's a fairly new believer. And she came back to her small group leader, kind of her mentor, and and spiritually in the church, and said, man, there's some power to this fasting thing, you know? I mean, if she was really... I mean, there is power to prayer and fasting. She'd been without work eight months and all of a sudden, two days, three days into fasting, she gets offered two jobs and now she has a choice. I don't believe that's coincidence. I believe that's the power of prayer and fasting. And I could go on and on with stories, salvations that have happened and stories. I just had a lady meet me in the back at the guest reception in the first service. It told me God had delivered her from addiction because of the fasting that she had been on. Some amazing stories. There's been a... A sweet spirit of expectation and a heightened level of faith around this place. And I don't just mean on Sundays in our worship environment, I mean around the office, in the meeting with the pastors and the staff and in our special prayer times we've had. Some of you've joined us at noon on Thursdays as we've prayed. There's this, been this sweet sense of expectancy and a heightened sense of faith. As I prepared this week's sermon, I kept asking the question, now What? The fast is over, what should our expectation be? What is it? I mean, should the sweet spirit of expectation and the heightened level of faith diminish because the fast ended last evening? As a congregation, what should we be looking for now? What should we be praying for now? What should we be expecting now that the fast is over? And in answer to these questions, my heart was led to Isaiah 58, where God speaks about the kind of fast that He honors. And He spends a good deal of time in Isaiah 58 addressing His blessings upon a true and authentic God-honoring fast. But He begins this 58th chapter of Isaiah with a very strong rebuke of the people of God. As you read, you can hear the sarcasm in God's voice, the irony in his voice. But he begins the whole thing by commanding Isaiah to call the people out for their hypocritical fasting. Isaiah 58 1, shouted aloud, Isaiah, he's telling Isaiah this, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and... You have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, God says, you do as you please. And you exploit your workers and your fasting ends and quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and only for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? In these first five verses, God is saying that our piety that does not, or our religious devotion, that does not produce compassion in your heart for other hurting people, or does not motivate you to display practical mercy towards them, is a worthless piety, a worthless devotion, and a worthless spirituality. These verses, according to Isaiah, first 5, verses of 58, and on through chapter 58, He is saying to us that, If our hearts are not mobilized when we fasted and we have come in tune with the heart of God, if the heart of God is not so transformed our heart that we are moved with compassion and we have piety without fruit and devotion without deeds, then it is an indictment on our spiritual devotion if we are not changed to beat with the heartbeat of God. In other words, Isaiah is saying these people are pious, They're religious, they're Bible reading people, they're praying people, and they actually enjoy being this way. It's not a duty for them. They delight in their religious practices, but they are not delighting in God Himself. They are not delighting in His ways. They enjoy their self-justifying religion while they forsake the decrees of God. They are fasting and praying and at the same time living in disobedience to what God desires most. So they ask. They're confused. We're Bible reading people, we're praying people, we're fasting people. So they ask in verse 3, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? And God answers them by telling them, because your fasting is a religious cover for selfish gain." You're not fasting because you want to know me. You're not fasting because you want to know my ways. You're fasting because you think fasting is putting a deposit in your spiritual checking account and then you can come back and make withdrawals out of later. God's answer to their question in verse 3a, how come we fast and we don't hear from you? He says, because on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. He said, what you're doing in fasting and how you're worshiping on Sunday is not impacting the way you're living on Monday. It's amazing to me how revealing our Monday actions are about the purity of our Sunday worship. I'll say it again. It's amazing to me how revealing our Monday actions are about the purity of our Sunday worship. God says, you fast, you make yourself look humble and pious and prayerful, but I see your business practices, I see your attitudes on Monday, I see that you are merciless, harsh and oppressing in dealing with the people that work around you or the people that work under you or the people that I've given you authority over in your business Our justice, our compassion, our mercy on Monday reveal the authenticity of our worship on Sunday. No, we're, we're believe it or not, we're pretty close to Easter, and uh, it's just a few weeks around the, the block here because we're Easter's early this year. And every time you get to Easter, there's a well-known sermon that rolls around about Good Friday, uh, the pain of Good Friday turning into the joy of an Easter sunrise, and it's called Sunday's Coming. And the refrain occurs over and over: It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that's a that's a sermon that will preach. But there's another sermon that's not preached often enough that needs to work its way into our vocabulary it's Sunday but Monday's coming it's Sunday but Monday's coming we're here raising our voices lifting our hands bowing our hearts praise and prayer is rising we're posturing our hearts with worship but what does God think of it? You'll find out tomorrow, it's Sunday, but Monday's coming. Will the piety of Sunday produce passion for justice and compassion and mercy on Monday? Will Jesus be incarnate in our lives when we walk into our relationships on Monday? Because the jury will be out tomorrow about the authenticity of our worship today the jury will be out tomorrow about the meaning and the depth of the last three weeks of fasting. It'll all be out tomorrow. I want to remind us as a church that we have been saved to live in this world with God-honoring works, God-exalting works. We We are not saved by works, but we have been saved to live among this world with God-honoring works. We have been saved not merely to avoid evil, but to do good. Most people feel like we get saved from something. We are not just saved from evil. We are not just saved from hell. We are more, more or less saved for something than we are from something. We are saved for another kingdom. We are saved for another power. We are saved for another Lord. We are saved for good works. Therefore, the people of Christ should not be known primarily for what we do not do, but for what we do. The question of Isaiah 58 is, Will your religious devotion, will your worship, will the fast that we as a congregation just completed, produce Christ-like compassion that results in action in practical ways in our lives? Verses 6-10, through Isaiah goes a little further and he begins to tell us about the kind of compassion and justice and practical mercy that pleases God. Verse 6, God says, now he's just spent the first five verses being very sarcastic and ironic to them in their hypocritical way of fasting. And now in verse 6 he says, is this not the kind of fast I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with your yoke of oppression and the pointing finger and malicious talk and if you spin yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noon day. According to these verses, there are five biblically identifiable needs that ought to stir compassion in the heart of every spiritually in-tune person. Obviously, There is the underlying need of faith and the underlying need of forgiveness and the underlying need of personal holiness and righteous living. But beyond that, there are five kinds of human needs that capture the heart of Isaiah. And I believe, based on the life and ministry of Jesus in the New Testament, that capture the heart of Jesus and both Isaiah and Jesus are passionately concerned about. Number one is the need for freedom from bondage and oppression. Four times in verse number 6 when he says, Is this not the kind of fast I've chosen? Four times he says, To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Four times he hits on the basic human need for freedom and the release from bondage and oppression. And obviously the greatest deliverance we need is our deliverance from sin. Every person born into this world from the fall of man on is born into sin and morality doesn't get you to heaven friend. Only being delivered from your sin nature with a life changing relationship of Jesus Christ is the access into heaven. There's no other name given among men whereby we can be saved except through encountering Jesus. We are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. But when we meet Jesus in relationship, we change natures. We put off an old nature and we become new creation in Christ Jesus. So the greatest deliverance from oppression we'll ever know is being delivered from sin into right relationship with God. But those of us who have understood that redemption through the cost of Christ are cause... We, 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 because we model, we should model the transformational power of the gospel in the world that we live in, we should not stand back quietly and allow bondage and injustice. And that's the reason why my heart is so stirred by the sex traffic industry that is happening in Dallas, Texas. And we've, we've addressed this issue in this congregation to many of our surprise that there are young men and women, specifically young women who have been kidnapped that are being sold, minors by the hour, sexually exploited as child prostitutes in the city of Dallas and I'm happy to report to you that I've been able to connect with like-minded people and, and we uh, have been uh, serving on a board at this found an initiative called Hope Springs that is in partnership with the Dallas the Police Department, an initiative of the FBI to divert prostitution, to divert sex trafficking in the Dallas area. The Director of that program will be in this pulpit, a lady named Tammy, and she will be sharing with you what God is doing and how you can get involved. Because I believe it is the you cannot have Christ's love inside of you and turn a deaf ear to that reality going on under the shadow of the steeple of this church. If the Gospel and the transformational power, and if we've been fasting the kind of fast that He has called us to, then our heart's going to be open to the desire to loose injustice, untie the yoke, set the oppressed free, and break every fetter that is on people's lives. We understand that. That's why we do what we do in missions, but we can't believe that it just has to happen in Africa. It has to happen under our own noses, in our own workplaces, in our own neighborhoods. The power of the gospel that changes our lives and saves us, wants to be incarnate inside of us, walk around inside of us, and if we fast like God has chosen, it's going to manifest so that freedom from bondage and oppression is a value of our lives. Number two, the basic need for food, Verse 7a is not, he said, is not this fast to share your food? with the hungry. Now, I know, I know, I grew up in this. I, uh, um, when I start talking about being compassionate and correcting injustice and setting the captives free, some people will approach me and say, but pastor, we, we believe that, we believe in evangelism and, and, and we believe that That we, we need to do more than just meet people's basic needs. We need to share with them the gospel. I believe with all of my heart we need to share with them the gospel. But listen to me. Listen to me. Don't take me wrong. I want you to hear my heart. This culture is more godless than any culture in American history. This culture is more biblically illiterate than any culture in American history. In the 1950's when Billy Graham packed out a football stadium and read from a verse of the Bible, most people in that crusade had some God consciousness and understanding of what Billy Graham had to say. So he could preach the word with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, them using their spirit and their reason could be reasoned into the kingdom of God because they had a spiritual starting point, a God consciousness because this nation is a Christian nation. This nation now is a post-Christian nation. There are fewer and fewer people who know verses in context, Noah and Abraham and Isaac, and they can't be argued into the kingdom by chapter and verse. They have to hear the gospel through the lenses of people who are compassionate enough to love them with tangible displays of the acts of God. Listen, friend, we have to earn our faith in American culture today the right to be heard in an American culture that was Christian, the faith already had a right to be heard. But there is 4% of this generation that is in church today, the young generation, and if we expect them to listen, they say, I'll listen to you, but show me why. What is it about your religion, your faith, that is any different than any other religion out there? And if Christian people would embody the life changing power of Jesus Christ and if our fast would cause us to love mercy and do justice and to walk humbly as Micah said then we would manifest Jesus everywhere we went and the greatest apologetic of our faith would be the Christian lives living in compassion and showing the love of Jesus listen I believe in the power of the preaching of the gospel but if their hunger pains are so heavy they can't pay attention to what you say it's pointless what you're preaching if you can't meet a basic need of an individual. The need for freedom from bondage and oppression, the need for food, verse 7b, the need for housing. He says, verse 7b, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. Shelter. You know, I grew up in a great Spirit-filled church. And we believed in the power of missions. We believed in the power of evangelism. But we left all the mercy ministries to the Catholics and the Episcopalians and the Methodists. Because we were afraid somehow if we got into meeting somebody's basic needs we were going to compromise the preaching of the gospel. But what would happen if genuine compassion motivated by the love of God caused us to meet basic human needs because it's the nature of our God and the nature of the gospel and with that we earned our faith the right to be heard. I'm not saying love people with compassion and not tell them the truth about the life changing power of Jesus. It's not an either or to me. According to the scripture it's a both and reality. And the kind of fasting that captures the heart of God is a fasting that will cause us to see freedom for those in bondage and oppression, the need for food for those that are hungry, housing for those that are without. And according to verse 7c, number 4, basic need identified here is the need for clothing. He says, is this not the kind of fast I choose when you see the naked to clothe them? You know, and just... We've started this ministry in Garland and it started in me with the desire to, you know, I dream big and and then have to walk backwards off of my dreams because my dream is to someday have a ministry there that homes, that houses people and, 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 and helps the addict and teaches trades to people and educates people and not just there but where they're needed under the reach of this church. Some people call them dream centers. Some people call them compassion centers. I, I don't care what you call it. I think it's the gospel meeting people where they are and bringing change, transformational power to entire communities and earning our faith the right to be heard and then the need for respect is number five that's one you might overlook God says in verse nine he will come into our midst if you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk in other words stop accusing unjustly belittling and exploiting one another with your words and then I'll come hang out with you Isaiah preaches justice to the people of God and Jesus displayed justice to the people of God through His life. And on the cross, through His suffering, He cleansed the people of God and empowered the people of God so that our devotion will produce an authentic compassion for people that turns into displays of practical mercy. And if it doesn't, our piety is empty. If it does, then our faith and our love and our devotion to Christ has produced a passion in us that frees the oppressed, feeds the hungry, houses the homeless, clothes the naked, and puts away belittling talk and demeaning gestures and respects all people as the creation of God without passing judgment on why they're in that condition in the first place, then and only then will North Place Church break forth like the dawn in Isaiah 58. All the rest of this text is promise for what good things happen in the lives of people When we give ourselves away and serve others in the cause of mercy, compassion, and the love of Christ. And we know all of the rewards that are promised in Isaiah 58 are not earned because we fast right. Isaiah wrote before Jesus was ever born actually about 700 years before Jesus was ever born over 2700 years ago but if you read what Isaiah said ought to happen in a heart that's fasting a God kind of fast the transformation that ought to happen that the hunger pains from that fast ought to cause them to think about the hungry and the world around them and all the injustice and the oppression the transformation that happens in your life when you fast a God kind of fast he says you look at that and then read what Jesus said happened to him in Luke 4.18 he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me For He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to preach recovering of sight to the blind. He has sent me to set the captives free. He has sent me to loose the chains and the fetters. What Jesus said the Spirit had anointed Him to do is what Isaiah said should happen in the life of a person that is walking in the heartbeat of God. So the rewards of that kind of fast are not earned by our efforts. They were bought by Jesus on the cross They are the gifts of God to us for living the gospel embodied in our daily lives. When we do that, when we fast this kind of fast and when we live the gospel incarnationally in our life, if incarnational is a big word for you, incarnation is another word for Christmas. God became man. He came and lived and identified. He put flesh on. And when we live the gospel incarnationally, we put flesh on the gospel and we take it to work and we take it to school and we're moved by the heart of God for the brokenness of the needs of people around us. So when this happens, when we are moved by that, there are some rewards to fasting this way or serving this way, having our heart aligned with God this way that have been purchased by Jesus on the cross. Verse 8, he says, if you give yourself a way to bring justice and mercy to the world instead of just living for your own comforts, listen to what he says in verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. You have my attention. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and with the pointing finger and malicious talk and you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called repair of the broken walls, restorer of the streets with dwellings. So we ended a fast last night, and the question could be, so now what? What do we expect after this fast is ended? Does the heightened sense of expectation come to a close? Does the heightened level of faith come to a close? Absolutely not. What I read in Isaiah 58 is that because we have walked in fasting, if our hearts were pure before Him, and if we have let our hearts during this time of fasting be turned towards those that may be broken or less fortunate than us, then there are some things we can expect moving forward. There are some things that will be intensified in our midst, in your life, in this church, in the days ahead. And these come straight from Scripture. There's going to be light in our darkness. There's going to be healing for our wounds. The righteousness of our righteousness, is going to be our front protection and the glory of God is going to be our rear protection. We're going to serve a God who hears us when we cry out to Him. We have a promise that He's going to guide us. We have the promise of His satisfaction for our souls in the dry and scorched places. He has promised in the future that our very bones will be made strong for battle. And we're going to be so watered by the Lord that we become a spring of water for those who are thirsty and need refreshment around us. And we're going to be used by God to rebuild what has been destroyed and make a place of life and hope for those who need it. It's amazing to me that all of this and more is promised to people whose passionate devotion to Christ produces in them a zeal for compassion and practical mercy in their daily lives. And may this North Place family begin to dream of how we can honor God by freeing the oppressed Feeding the hungry, housing the homeless, clothing the naked, and putting an end to our belittling gestures and words of disrespect towards one another and other people. This is the will of God. This is the work of Christ. And it is the way for this congregation to break forth like the dawn. Amen. Some years ago while fasting, I was studying Isaiah 58 and uh, reading through what should be happening in my heart as I fast. I, uh, I was convicted by the Lord to do something and, and when, when He says that you, you take notice of those that are naked, you clothe them and hungry, you feed them, I realized that that's the kind of fast God chose. So I, I started trying to quantify the amount of money that I was not spending because I was not eating. And over the period of time that I was fasting, add all of that up cumulatively and take the amount of money I saved while fasting and to give it to either a ministry that serves the poor or give it to someone I knew that was struggling, that needed food or shelter to take and leverage those things in that way. So what I'm going to ask this morning is that we collectively act on that practice I'm going to ask us to collectively act on that practice. And I, I just want to talk out loud with you for a minute, okay? I'm going somewhere with this, and I want to talk out loud with you. Um, on Thanksgiving Day, many of you were a part of a, a, um, a ministry to Garland that was uh, uh, this message embodied, really. We, we went to a Sister Church and rented a part of their facility, their gym, And we served almost a thousand people Thanksgiving meals. Um, And it was this church at work. I mean like ants. We're just serving and loving people. Asking nothing in return. We didn't do anything but just serve and love people. That went so well that we went back and held a Christmas service. and, And had 400 of those people come back for church for Christmas Sunday. And that went so well that we just launched a campus full time down there. So we're leasing the gym from this sister church in South Garland. And... And, uh, and we've had an average of about 150 of these people come back every week and 89 first-time conversions in the last month. It's just been amazing. But what you don't understand is that we didn't make a lot of to do about that. But before we ever did the Thanksgiving outreach, there were people within the North Place family whose hearts were moved by compassion to serve people. They embodied this message. Most of us don't know that... For the last several months, on Saturday mornings, some North Place families have gone and gotten biscuits and donuts and coffee and served the men at the day labor center every Saturday morning. And said, we're here representing Jesus and our church. Just want to love you. And they got there and realized the building was dirty so they pressure washed the building and got their Lysol and cleaned it because they wanted to instill in these men they are the fingerprints of God, they have value, there is dignity and they loved them. Uh, Many of those day laborers attended our Thanksgiving meal and they didn't feel embarrassed to come because we had been with them for months before. We've been serving in the recreational centers around Garland, giving soccer clinics free of charge to elementary age children. And while their kids are in the soccer clinics, we're doing biblical parenting and money management classes for their moms and dads. It's not a wonder that when a church opens up under a name that's been loving people without motive, they just decide to show up. We had an idea over the last few weeks that you know, we do some really great things for Easter, and God has given us a, an illustrated message that we're going to share here multiple times from Saturday to Sunday right here in Saxey. But God gave us a heart uh, to go to Garland and uh, Friday night have a Good Friday service, one in English and one in Spanish, where we we share the love of God, the message of Easter, the cross and Good Friday. But we're able to distribute groceries to those who are in need. Uh, this is, anybody that wants to come get groceries, it's not a, we're going to bait you in with the groceries and try to give you our message. We're just giving groceries away and we're having a good Friday service. And in just a moment, our ushers are going to service because I wanted you to do, this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking my funds and giving to this that I didn't eat while I was fasting and going to add some to it. I just want to give you a privilege We're just, I don't normally do this but I didn't feel like there was a better way to respond to the question is this the fast I've chosen than for us to have an opportunity to buy groceries now is every family in Garland in need no but God has told us as a church to go to them to have a place of worship for them and I'll tell you why when this road was about to open up word was that the George Bush Tollway was going to open up we got 140 acres on the new tollway You know, we had a coach, somebody smarter than us, a consultant that knows about church growth. They know about Dallas. They know about impacting people for Jesus and all that. So they told us that what we needed to do was open up a campus in Rockwall area because that was the people who were now going to have greater access to us when the road opened up. It made sense. We started going down that road and the doors kept shutting and and God kept putting on the heart of our leadership the poor in garland the poor in garland and so i went to the consultant and talked with them about this and they kind of argued with me a little bit and and uh, and said you know um by the way they're not our consultant anymore but they um, <laughs> they said and, and, and this was the statement that kind of ended it for me they said here's the deal pastor um if you go plant a church in Garland and you grow, I mean, in, in Rockwall, and you go grow in Rockwall, the per capita giving there will help you get to the new building quicker. Well, I know that makes sense in corporate America, but this isn't corporate America. Amen. And so I don't fault the man for telling me what was logical, but when I, when I went and prayed, this is what God said to me Brian, you go after the poor and let me pay the debt. You put your heart where my heart is. And you let me take care of all the rest. So that consultant isn't our consultant anymore. And we went to Garland. And I am more convinced than ever before that if we will fast the kind of fast God has chosen, embody the kind of gospel, the gospel teaches love on the people who need it, who can't give you anything back for it, then in God's time, in God's plan, everything we've ever desired on that new property will happen and it will be His favor and His blessing and it won't be because something we concocted with a consultant. It's the gospel transforming lives. And let me say this, we have a heart for Sachse. We have a heart for the affluent. Here's our problem. We tried and tried and tried to meet the needs of the broken in and Listen, please don't. This is what we found in if I'm wrong, then, then forgive me. But this is what we found. in every door we tried to walk through, the people that live closest to this church, north of this church, on 78 and around this church, Murphy and other areas, they have needs. But they don't want you to know they have needs because they're living in a house they can't afford, driving a car they can't afford, keeping up with the Joneses. And I don't know who the Joneses are, but that's just what we've been saying all these years, okay? <laughs> And because they've worked so hard to project an image, they can't let you know they're hurting. They are hurting, so we have to be more strategic. You drive seven miles south, nobody's faking it. They're broken and they're not afraid to let you see it. So we're going where it's obvious right now and praying for God to give us a breakthrough right here in this zip code. If we embody the gospel, He'll give us creative ways to touch people in this neighborhood and Woodbridge and Murphy and all the neighborhoods around here because He died for all of us. But we have one directive from the Lord right now as we preach the gospel to the nations through our missions and through the, the, uh, the preaching and the crusades and the compassion ministries. He said, you, you go to the poor and let me take care of everything else. And I'm telling you, friend, He's taking care of some of the other stuff. This is a chance. Please, this don't feel pressure. I just, I just felt like, you know what? We ended a fast. Let's show the Lord that we fasted the kind of fast He's chosen. And uh, buy some groceries for a Good Friday outreach as we present our illustrated Easter message there in English and Spanish that we can let people walk out with as many groceries as they can carry. I want our service hosts to come and serve you today if they will and give you an opportunity to respond to this message to Isaiah 58. Let me read this. As you respond, they can begin to serve you right now. Go ahead, gentlemen. Is not this the kind of fast I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked and clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard and then you will call and the Lord will answer and then you will cry for help and He will say, Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spin yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age old foundations. You will be called the repairer of the broken walls. After our team has served you with an opportunity to give so that we can provide groceries on Good Friday and our Garland Outreach campus we're going to have our prayer team available to pray because if we have fasted the kind of fast that God has asked and honored and Jesus has purchased these promises for us as we walk in obedience to His Word, then it means that when we come to pray that we can pray and expect breakthrough from our bondage. We can come and expect loosing of chains that to fall around us. We can come and pray and expect healing to come. That's what the Scripture says. We can come and expect hearing clear direction from the voice of the Spirit of God as He guides us. And we can come and expect breakthrough as the light breaks into the dawn. God is going to give us breakthrough. I believe we are positioned this morning for God to do some miraculous things in people's lives. So I want you to stand with me. Prayer team, will you come and make yourself available to pray? These are what we could The fast is over, but the expectation ought to rise. The faith ought to rise. Jesus said the Lord had anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor, recovering of sight to the blind, captivity, freedom to the captives. Isaiah said the righteousness is going to go in front of you. My glory is going to be the guard behind you. You're going to look for me. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to refresh you so much it's going to overflow out of you to other people. If you need breakthrough, deliverance, the chains to fall off, you need a miracle, you need healing, you need water in a dry place in your life, let's believe God today for that to happen. I believe breakthrough is going to happen like light breaking into the dawn today because this is the kind of fast that God has chosen. This is the most important thing happening this morning right now. If you're a guest with us, In a few moments, Haley and I will love the opportunity to meet you. But more important than that, if you're a guest this morning and you need prayer, we'll be back there another Sunday. You can meet God here, and that's the most important thing. If you need prayer, would you begin to come even now? Father, will you bless them and keep them? Will you make your face shine down upon them? Would you be gracious to them? Would you turn your countenance their direction and give them peace? In Jesus' name.